Uh, are we all set to go? No. No? <laughs> You're adjusting the sound level again? Yep. Yeah. Did I did I call that one or what? I was looking away and I said, no, we're not. And she got up and... <laughs> okay. Let's do this. Recording. And three, two... Hi, I'm Andrea Garrison, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. Coming at you with a stomach full of candy, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I was eating a clock, but it was too time-consuming. Oh, oh, that hurt. Joining me as usual is a team who fell asleep watching the country music network, and they woke up racist. (laughs) And religious. So he got that call that he was going to be a father, and now he can't wait to tell his wife, Scott. <laughs> oh, she says she knew when she would die because her birth certificate has an expiry date, Kristen. And she got so good at limbo that she could hide under a rug. And then, <laughs> oh, that's bad. <laughs> Hey, hey. <laughs> I think she was talking about the coffee. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> guys, welcome back. <laughs> I hope you guys had a good week, a good Halloween. That was fun. I carved a pumpkin. Oh, there we go. It, it's good. I got pictures. <laughs> picture. We'll have to share one picture. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least there's, there's a... Uh, some records of this happening. <laughs> uh, today we're going to be talking to author David G. McAfee, and we'll play the interview that I had with him, but first, let's do a bit of chit-chat. Hey, newsflash, did you guys know that the Bible and the stories of the first man aren't true? No! <laughs> yeah, well, apparently an investigation by one of Israel's top papers, which I think is pronounced Haaretz, <laughs> Uh, a lengthy 500-word uh, 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 article dismisses all the Old, Test- Old Testament stories. Quote, There is no evidence of the events of Genesis Eve have ever been found. No city walls at Jericho. No stone palace of David. Well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they figured this out. Well, I'm, what I'm glad is it's actually done by a, a, an Israeli newspaper. And that kind of lands weight to the whole thing, right? Because, of course, I'm sure creationists and old manners of Christians are going to start arguing against that. So that's pretty cool. This should be a, some interesting fallout on that one. Mm-hmm. I wonder what kind of death threats he'll get. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, several shows ago, we talked about a son. Uh, he was forcibly baptized. Uh, How old? Uh, he was, uh, I believe he was 11. Oh. Uh, this was the son of April uh, Differbaugh. Uh, he was part of the Big Brothers, Big Sisters. And it, he's a special needs child. Uh, so they, uh, the, um, during his trip with Big, Bro- Big Brothers, Big Sisters, they gave him a full dunking baptism. You know, and kind of held him on the water. It gave him nightmares. He was panicking. So the, uh, they decided to file charges. Um, but the judge actually dismissed the charges. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It was actually, they were actually filed by American atheists. They actually had a hand in helping that. Uh, the judge basically said, uh, quote, the plaintiffs failed to show the defendants had a plan to violate their First Amendment rights of, to freedom of religion. What? Yeah. Holy shit balls. Forcing forcing a child to be baptized. I, uh. Yeah, so somehow you had to you had to prove that they were planning to force this this baptism upon this kid. Uh, it's like 
this, it's not the point. It's not the point. I mean, they committed it, assault. Yes, yes, exactly. But I, I think the judge was completely wrong in uh, their deliberations on this. He should be removed from the bench. I think it was a she, actually. I'm not well, sure about Well, then that. she should be removed yeah. from the bench. Regardless of who it was. Exactly. <laughs> uh, did you guys hear that uh, eight people are dead in New York after a quote-unquote terror attack? That was horrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was a rented truck from Home Depot uh, running down people. And hit a, after, after, after that, they hit a school bus. The man came out with a paintball gun shouting, Guess what? Allah Akbar! Hmm. And uh, so um, his name was uh, Seifulo Halibarikvik Saipov. He was 29 from Uzbekistan, and they shot him and arrested him. Uh, another one. Another day, another terror attack. Eight people lost their lives. Yeah, I know. And how many people were messed up from that? Mm-hmm. But it's starting to lend support to what I was saying uh, when the last terror attack was happening in the uh, in the UK. They're using trucks now. They're not using guns so much because I think the, the the security forces are doing a good job to remove these weapons to make them harder to get. Well, maybe not in the States, but in Europe anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, he used a truck in the States, and guns are easy to get in the mm-hmm. States. Although with a name like his, I'm betting not too many gun shop owners were willing to sell him a gun. Maybe That's... not. Maybe not. Uh, In 1993, there was a guy named Michael F. Griffin. He was a Christian fundamentalist, and he was the first to kill a doctor from an abortion clinic. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, This guy was coming up on parole, and a Florida parole board decided that he was going to stay in prison until 2043 when he's going to be 82 years old. Right now, he's 56. Well, he he obviously didn't learn the first lesson, love thy neighbor. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, He he was the first of a series of people that decided to kind of mimic him. He was the first one to do that. So he's going to stay behind bar and good for him. So it turns out Andrew Scheer, which is the leader of the Conservative Party, is angry at the Governor General, Julie Payette. Now, Payette has a uh, back history in uh, being a pilot and an astronaut. Uh, Payette stressed the need for greater public awareness of scientific knowledge. It's actually a good thing. She also noted that some unscientific beliefs persist, like astrology, climate change denial, and religion. Quote, we are still debating and still questioning whether life was a divine intervention or whether it was coming out of a natural process, let alone, oh my God, a random process. Now, the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau came out after that and supported her by saying that we are a government grounded in science. Canadians understand the value of knowledge and science. Good for her for saying that. I seem to have read in a couple of papers there that there was quite a bit of criticism against her. Well, yeah, for there's, taking there's, a position that she shouldn't have taken. There's always criticism, but no, no. you know, at the same point, you got to be able to defend her too, right? Right. Not not that she's not that she said what she said, but that she took a position instead of staying neutral in the debate. Well, I don't know if her, her I don't know if her Do, statement actually qualifies as taking a position. I mean, she is a scientist after yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, it's the position that she's in. She's representing the queen. Um, to the government of Canada, the Queen was never the Queen was never uh, one to not take positions when when she needed to. She would take positions. I don't see why the Governor General wouldn't. Hmm. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Does uh, the Queen approve? <laughs> the Queen's probably still asleep right now. <laughs> <laughs> she probably hasn't even heard about it. No, the fact that she stressed the the uh, the, the need for greater public awareness of scientific knowledge. I don't see how you could possibly be against that position, if you can even call that a position. I think it was the comment about the, um, are we the product of, uh, is life the product oh, yeah, of, of divine of intervention? Of course. And, you know, the the, the Christian religious right is going to start arguing against that, obviously. And, of course, uh, I was watching the, the comments on the CBC article there uh, online, and, uh, yeah, of course, you know, I had to chime in. Gets oh, did the, you? Oh, of oh wow. Okay. That usually gets Good me into you. trouble. That usually I gets stayed, me into trouble. I stayed right out of that one. I wasn't oh, no. going near it. No, no. I, I, th- I think the governor general is correct. I think the, the, the prime minister is correct for supporting her. And I think Andrew Shear is just full of it. And that's my pain. <laughs> and I stick to it. Sheer stick to itiveness. That's go. good, Kevin. There You've got go. it. I like it. I like it. Well, we don't have our Nancy here to do our distinct history segment. So how about we just go into our usual segment that we always love? Called, what is it called? Another brilliant moment. I just love the music. <laughs> it's pretty great music. 
brought to you by religion. Uh, speaking of Canadian uh, politics, Alberta Premier Rachel Notley rejects a dangerous Catholic sex education curriculum that questions the importance of sexual consent in marriage. Yeah, you heard that right. It what? questions sexual consent. The Catholics, right? The Catholic school in Alberta, Canada, are under intense scrutiny after releasing a sex education plan that is a that is soft on sexual consent in marriage and denigrates the LGBT community. The Canadian Press reports on the alternative sex education curriculum being promoted by Catholic schools. Catholic school superintendents are crafting an alternative sex education curriculum that they want the province to approve for their schools. They say the government teaching plan clashes with their faith-based instruction by including among other topics homosexual relationship, gender identity, different ones from one's biological sex. In documents filed with the province, the superintendent also take away, take issue with sexual consent by a partner in marriage. Let me say that again. They take issue with sexual consent in marriage. Well, don't know, you know, once you're married, you're, you're property, you're owned. Yeah, once you're married, you, you just be raped. That's not a problem. I, I'm confused here. So the Catholic school board is questioning this. No, no Richard Nodley is quite... The, the oh, so, so the Catholic is, school board's actually being forward-thinking here, putting this stuff out. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're putting a sex ed curriculum for their schools, and they want the province to approve. But in their curriculum, it basically said, you don't need to have consent for oh, sex once okay. you're married. No, no, wow. that's, that's what okay. I thought. Okay, yeah. then, then they're, we're right. taking a step backwards. That's yeah, a step exactly. backwards. No, that's a whole leap backwards. Yeah. However, Alberta Premier Rachel Notley says the alternative sex education curriculum being promoted by the Catholic school official is unacceptable. Well, thank good, goodness. Good on the politicians. No Absolutely. shit. In an interview with the Canadian press, Notley said that health and well-being of students comes before any perverse notion of religious freedom. Excellent. <laughs> Nowhere does the right of religious freedom extend that person's right to somehow attack or hurt others. And that's what's happening here. Yeah. We will not use public Excellent. dollars to have sexual health programs that deny science, that deny evidence, that deny human rights. Boom! Way wow. to go. Talk yes. about lowering the hammer. Mm-hmm. Consent is the law in Alberta, and under no circumstances will any child in Alberta be taught that they have to, to somehow accept illegal behavior in a sexual relationship. The end. <laughs> awesome. Good. That's great news. That yeah, exactly. Mic drop. News. There you go. You don't need to. I don't need to read anymore. Mic drop. There you go. It's done. And <laughs> go back to your drawing board. Sounds like there's some changes happening in our governments. I sure hope so. Well, Trudeau and and his chosen, uh, what do you call her? Julie Piet. Yep, the governor general. Right, the governor general. Mm-hmm. So Trudeau and the governor general on one hand, then you got the premier of Alberta on the other hand. I mean, what is going on in this country? We're, we're, we're taking leaps and bounds towards being a normalized society. Yeah, well, a better liberal society. And uh, soon uh, in one of our future guests, Luke Feverin, we're going to be talking uh, at depth up to what the religion in the school, especially in Alberta and BC. So stay tuned for that. But that was the end of my good news. So now we get oh, into the bad no. news. Oh, dear. <laughs> you guys ever heard of Malawi? Yeah. There's a vampire scare in Malawi. At least eight dead and the United Nations evacuating some of its staff. This is by Reuters. Yeah, this, it's not a Halloween joke. Wow. The southern, uh, southeast African nation, bordered by Mozambique, Zambia, and Tanzania, is one of the poorest countries in the world. A recent resurgence of fear in vampires. In the two southern districts of Afolombe and Molange. Hope I get this right. Has triggered violent lynch mobs to attack and kill those accused of vampirism. Yes, you heard this right. 2017, people are hunting vampires. Wow. These districts have severely been affected by ongoing source of blood sucking and possible existence of vampires. United Nations Department of Safety and Security said in a release, a security report. The UN has relocated some, but not all, of their staff in two rural districts due to safety concerns and is closely monitoring the events in the area as they unfold. Now, are these vampires that burn in the sun, or do they sparkle? Dim, I don't know. Maybe they just sparkle. That's a good question. Sparkly vampires. The important questions. <laughs> the important questions of the day. <laughs> 
The same report says the mob set up roadblocks to trap vampires and that the vampirism rumors might have originated in northern Mozambique and recommends the temporary suspension of UN activities in the area until the situation is normalized. Yeah, because it's not really a normal situation when you're hunting vampires. <laughs> Non-government organizations providing aid and resources to that area have also pulled out. So, so the people have basically trounced themselves. Like, but this is the price of religion, right? This is this is it, right? See, now you got government aid and international aid that has to pull out because some idiot out there believes in magic and sky fairies and bullshit like that, and now they're killing people because of it. So, this is the price of religion. You get more yeah. more misery because of that. Belief in both witchcraft, witchcraft and the real-life existence of vampires is widespread in rural Malawi, with the latter superstition perpetuating violence and paranoia, and not for the first time either. During a devastating famine in 2002, vigilante retribution erupted after a viral rumor circulated in the area that vampires were secretly working with the government to collect blood for international aid agencies. <laughs> what? This gets better and better. Oh, no, no, they're not just vampires now. Not only like conspiracy vampires working with the government. <laughs> this is a new one. Yeah, I, so, you know, so I never heard that Cross, one. When the Red Cross takes blood, that they, they figure that that's... You forget the syringe. It just bites you and suck out the blood. <laughs> well, no, but they're they're actually taking the blood for... Yeah. Oh, Just wow. skip the middleman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Just skip the middleman, right? Holy oh, goodness gracious! Cow. All right. Let's go to another another story that we can't go without because I want to talk later about this. I got a nice rant about this later. Uh oh. This is. Uh, did you guys hear the story about a Chilliwack trustee, school trustee, right here in Chilliwack? Um, he has apologized to those who felt hurt by his opinion. This is the uh, Barry Newfeld. He had a Facebook post, and uh, he's a school trustee, Anthony Hopkins wannabe, Barry Newfeld. He issued a news release Wednesday acknowledging that his post has stirred up controversy. Um, he wants to apologize for those uh, who's, who felt hurt by my opinion. Now, I don't have the original post because he, he withdrew it, but his post was essentially was a meme uh, that basically said, uh, 1997, Mom, can I have an earring? No. 2017, Mom, I feel like a girl. Sure, we'll pump you with hormones tomorrow morning. That was essentially the meme. It was an anti-LGBT, anti-trans meme right away. So he issued, an, uh, people got up in, in a robe over this, and he, this guy's a school trustee in Chilliwack. So he offered an apology. Uh, there were calls early this week for Newfeld to resign following a Monday post. As there should be. As there should be. Stating he would be at risk being labeled a bigoted homophobe for his opinion that allowing transgender children to express their gender identity was nothing short of child abuse. He also denounced members of BC education system as a radical cultural nihilist for the policies on gender rights. The post was in response to the sexual orientation and gender identity program, SOGI, in BC schools. The program was introduced in the province of after BC Human Rights Code was amended to include discrimination on the basis of gender identity. SOGI requires schools to update their codes of conduct to prevent bullying and harassment related to gender identity. And I want, I want to repeat this, okay? SOGI requires schools to update their codes of conduct to prevent bullying and harassment related to gender identity. Now, for some reason, when you look at the comments of what he posted, people have the idea that SOGI means kids are choosing to be transgender and that's not the case and it's appalling that a guy who's a school trustee is leading that charge um, Newfeld's statement suggested he still disagrees with the program arguing for respectful discussion and dissent and more engagement with parents and teachers before Soji is fully implemented why would you why would you not agree with being more respectful of people and not discriminate and not bully people. I don't know that. I don't understand. Uh, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure that one out. Because changing things, Kevin. Yeah. These are changes. Don't you know human beings are afraid of change? Apparently. In his uh, original post, Neufeld's uh, post re referred the opinion of the American College of Pediatricians. That sounds legitimate, doesn't it? Uh, but it's actually an anti-LGBT advocacy group. The college was formed by a small group of doctors who left the American Academy of Pediatricians after that professional association supported the ad 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 adoption of children by gay couple. So this is how sneaky it gets, right? It sounds legit, American College of Pediatricians, but it's not. Um, 
Transgender advocate Morgan Olger slammed Newfell's post on Facebook, writing, Given your position in leadership, you should know better than to quote a widely discredited pseudoscience source in order to publish hateful material. And she's There correct. we go. She's oh, absolutely good. correct. Yeah, well done. Good on her. And former Vancouver school board Patty Backus took to Twitter the day the post went up to call for Newfeld's resignation, saying the statement deserves censure. Education Minister Rob Fleming has said that while he disagrees with Newfeld's views, there are no plans to remove him from his position. And the original post was deleted. So I can't find the original post, but I remember seeing it. It's really, really disgusting after all we've seen and all we've done right here on the show to still find these troglodytes out there uh, essentially uh, have no problem bashing on people that can't really defend themselves. Any thoughts? Yeah, and I mean, here we go again with children choosing to be transgendered. Nobody chooses to be homosexual or yeah, nobody, well, nobody chooses to be anything it's, it's really just the way you are when are people gonna get that yeah I, I usually ask other people I'll say well when did you choose to be straight tell me this uh, because I don't recall choosing to be straight myself I don't recall ever doing that <laughs> yeah you know, exactly there was a form and choose A or choose B I don't recall doing that ever that's true and you know you know in the younger grades I mean it was all wide open yeah it's all wide open. You could have gone whichever way you wanted. Nobody would have. Nobody would have even thought about it, right? No, it, it really, it really is disturbing. And you know, to think that some people think that, because uh, I gotta talk. I'm gonna stop that music here. Um, this, this post was reported on CKNW, and uh, this, if you've seen the comment section on CKNW, because I've been fighting that comment section for a week now, and uh, my God, I was like probably one of two defending. Uh, these LGBT and the rest of them were essentially Canadian version of Trump voters. Oh Ooh. boy! And coming up, coming up with outrageous stupidity, you know. But there's there's the whole trick, Kevin. You can't deal with that stupidity. We've learned by doing posts all the time. You got to take it. You got to take it the way. Oh, how do you say this? Be lighthearted about it because these people aren't going to change their views based on the 20 words or 50 words that you write. Oh, of course not. They, and, uh, they are not going to listen to you. They are going to pull up every piece of bullshit science they yes, can. They are. Yes, they are. Pseudoscience. But, and they're going to pull up every bullshit comment they can and try to and try to steer you away from what you're trying to say. But I feel compelled to write anyway and, and debate with these people online because, not because I'm planning to change their minds, because they're, these guys are idiots. Anyone but else reading? Somebody who is reading. Somebody who's reading this who's not sure. Uh, and this this misinformation is outrageous. The stuff the stuff that was on these posts of you know of course some people pulled out the Bible and Jesus obviously other oh, people o- other thing. people were saying they were just doing this to get attention. I said hold on who, you, who you was doing me? what to get attention? Being gays just to get attention apparently. <laughs> yes, that's why we do it. Yeah, that's right. I said, it's, it's, are you kidding me? I see you, you. You wake up one morning saying, "You know, I feel I'm going to be gay today, so I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go and risk being fired, being spat at, be on the end on the uh, the bad side of uh, being punched, uh, just because I feel like getting attention." You know, and if you're transgender, going through painful therapy and and maybe surgical changes and, and lifestyle change, losing all your families, your social life, everything, just because you feel like getting attention. Nobody's nobody does that. It's just stupid. But these people are just completely, completely insane. And they can't think for half a minute. And it's it's ignorance at its best. It yeah, truly is. It is absolutely is. Anyway. I've got Makes me want to go troll the, troll the uh, comment section. That's uh, Oh, I, I totally encourage you to. Uh, you'll see that it, it's gone to the point, and I will talk about this after we uh, do the <laughs> interview with David G. McAfee. Uh, it's gone to the point that somebody went to the length of writing an email. You saw the email. I forwarded the email to you. Yeah. I saw the email that's actually titled, What Kevin Francis Doesn't Want You to Know. What? I, oh. Yeah, th- this I person. Have I seen this that. email, Kevin? I said, I'm pretty sure I forwarded it to you guys as well. I'll have to, I'll have to get her to look it up. Oh, I, I forwarded it to Christina for sure. Uh, um, so this, this, this person took the, the time to read my comments <laughs> and then to look up Left of the Valley. Okay, I must have missed that. Yeah. <clears throat> then they looked up Left of the Valley. Then they found our email address. Then they composed this very lengthy email with a bunch of links that go pretty much to dubious sources. 
and then distributed this email amongst a whole bunch of people and sent me a copy as a taunt. I'm not sure should, I should be flattered or angry about this. Well, they put a lot in, a lot of work into it. A lot it, of work into it. It's a lot of bullshit work, but it's a lot of work into it. <clears throat> and after we come back from the David G. McAfee, I will reply. <laughs> well, I, I think I wrote you a reply. Did you see my reply to your email? Yeah. <laughs> what oh. the fuck? <laughs> yes, come well, on. I said it in French. Yeah. I mean, you know. Good well. enough. Good enough. All I can say is I'm thankful that I have not had to deal with any of this stupid bullshit. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, you but, know, yeah, you are lucky, I guess, in, in that respect, because so many people out there are dealing with it every day of yeah. their lives. They're being... They're being bounced at, uh, having things thrown at them, being fired from their jobs, like you said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, people just hate them for no reason at all. And they I, don't even know who they are. And it's, it's well, again, yeah, that's it, exactly comes it. To, it comes back to, do you really think that somebody gets, uh, runs through their life and says, you know, today I think I want to kiss a girl. Oh, today I want to think I fall in love with a guy. Do you think it's that easy? I want to see some of these straight people who are uh, so anti-gay and anti- Yeah, just try it for a week. Try it for a week. Yeah, try Try to be gay for a week. sides for a week to see how that works See see how you can do that. You you like who you like for the reasons that your mind and body say you like it. You have no choice in the matter. And the same thing, the people who are transgender are transgender because their body says that their mind and body are not getting along. Yeah, their body is the wrong type for their mind. The first, the first thing like, these people should do, first of all, the first thing they should do, first of all, is at least talk to a person who's transgendered, right? Like, or talk to a person who's gay. You know, if 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 you're just going to make a blank statement and you've never even done the minimum research, which is at least look up scientific arguments for it, that's the minimum research. If you haven't done that then your opinion is completely pointless. If you've done like us, we've actually talked to them. We have them on the show. Yeah, you got two of them right here. <laughs> exactly, right? We have them yeah, on the we show. We love you guys, we've, too. We've <laughs> interviewed them. We've interviewed scientists talking about this stuff. We've gone above and beyond, and none of us are scientists. Well, when you we've are, done the when work. you start learning why, the whys of it, it all makes sense. It's yeah. like, okay, it's just it's another state of being that we have as human beings in that big, broad range of states of being. There is no right or wrong. There's no. just different levels of way you are. Exactly. Yeah, the, uh, it's a spectrum. As yeah. um, what was the 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 lady who said it's 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 on a spectrum? Veronica Drance. Yes, and well, I would refer people to go back into the archives and listen to that interview. Yes. That I is think she was very right on the very money. important. And I think we might have to bring her back to really discuss this at, at length some more because this is becoming a bit of an issue. Uh, and you know, no. the, 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 I remember the line never she stopped, says. You know, it never the, stops being an issue. Yes, and she says the only thing that's binary in sexuality is the gametes, which is essentially the male female thing. Right. Yeah, but these people are, are basically basing everything on that. But it's the only thing that's binary. The rest of it, the entire spectrum, especially when you go on the chromosome level and you realize you're not XX or XY. You could be XXY or you could be XO. What the hell is XO? I never learned about this. But Turner you know, syndrome. But yeah, that's, it, that's where. Our, yeah, that's hugs and kisses. It's been around for hundreds of years. <laughs> but Good this, this is the science that these troglodytes have no idea about. This is the science these troglodytes have no idea about, and they're out there purposely creating harm. And these poor kids out there, they're in the middle of this fight and have asked not to be in this. You know, the, you Well, know, like you said, they can't defend themselves. It's confusing these, these enough. Pe- these people cannot defend themselves from the attacks they're receiving. That's right. It's confusing enough being a kid. And when you're a kid that you're not sure of your sexual orientation, oh my God, or your gender identity, I cannot imagine the, the angst they must feel. And to have these idiots out there just bashing them. Oh, anyway. Oh, I wish Christina was here for this. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's Where actually really anyway? too bad She's she isn't. She's petting puppies, isn't she? She's milking. Uh, she might be onto the cows by now. <laughs> <laughs> petting cup, puppies? Petting puppies or milking cows? Or is that milking puppies and petting cows? Oh, I don't know. Either way. <laughs> yeah. Both are milking. fun. <laughs> okay, if you say so. <laughs> okay, so let's Poor think of... puppies. <laughs> I so, meant the petting puppies and the milking cows, oh, not, okay. the, uh, not the reverse there, Scott. <laughs> so let's take a quick break here, and we'll be right back with author David G. McAfee. So stay with us. If your skepticism is socially conscious and doesn't take itself too seriously, you might like life, the universe, and everything else. People like Ray Comfort are fond of saying, what use is half a wing, right? 
Have you ever seen a fucking penguin? <laughs> Life, the universe, and everything else. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else. I don't know, Zoom? Is that still a thing? Here's an excerpt from Mum, Dad, I'm an Atheist by David G. McAfee. It is the same highly regarded concept of an afterlife that allows misguided religious people to justify the mistreatment of those who disagree with their religious ideologies. They are simply trying to protect you from eternal damnation in the afterlife by condemning you, insulting you, and even disowning you in this life. It is not to say that becoming open about your disbelief is always going to be met with these negative reactions and, in fact, that is precisely what this work is hoping to prevent. But it is important to understand that if you experience negative reactions from religious kin, it is probably a result from the religion's teachings and likely not from any personal vendetta or hatred. Find this audiobook and many more at AtheistAudiobooks.com is led to believe that species are mutable will do good service by conscientiously expressing his conviction. For only thus can the load of prejudice by which this subject is overwhelmed be removed. So what you know about natural selection? Go ahead and ask a question and see where the answer gets you. Try being passive-aggressive and try smashing heads in and see which tactic brings your plans to fruition. If you have an explanation... Our next guest is an American author and journalist. He's also a contributor to several rational and free-thinking magazine. He's a snappy dresser and a snazzy dancer. David, David G. McAfee, thank you so much for joining us at Left of the Valley. How are you doing, bud? Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm doing pretty well here. Excellent, excellent. Now, you've made a, quite a name for yourself in the States. You might not be as well-known north of the 49th parallel, so would you be so kind to give us maybe a Reader's Digest introduction to David G. McAfee? Definitely. Um, well, first of all, I did used to write for Canadian Freethinker magazine, so oh, I do have cool. at least some people up there who, who are aware of me, but I know that they don't put out that magazine in circulation anymore. Mm. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I am basically known for studying religion. I went to college and I majored in religious studies. So I really got a good understanding of different religious beliefs and where they come from and how they formed over time. Uh, and I've been writing about these issues about atheism, skepticism, religion, supernatural since I was about 18 years old. And now here we are 10 years later and I have six books out and my most recent has shifted more uh, from the religious aspect to the supernatural aspect. But as you know, there are lots of related parts there. So th there's some overlap for sure. Mm -hmm. So you already have several books under your belt at a, may I say, a very young age to have several books under your belt already. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, but today we're talking about your latest book, No Secret Cows. Mm -hmm. Now, um... Can you give me a, b a brief description of what your book you, is? It as forward as it sounds. You know, you just uh, try to debunk uh, some uh, some myth. It, it's not as much about debunking specific myths as it is about learning how to apply critical thinking skills to every myth, so that you can kind of debunk them yourselves. Um, it, it it's a little bit uh, personal, but also scientific. I have my own anecdotes in there, but then I also back them up with scientific research. And I went around and I investigated all these different supernatural aspects from psychics to ghosts to cults. I interviewed members of the Westboro Baptist Church, of uh, the great-grandson of the founder of Scientology. I just really try to dive into all these issues that I've been wanting to discuss for years and have been hung up on, on just religion and atheism. So I finally got to spread out and uh, kind of teach people how to approach these subjects in a way that allows you to use the scientific method and, and find out what's really there and what's made up. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting that you talk about the uh, Whisperer Baptist Church. Nate Phelps is actually uh, the son of the late uh, Fred Phelps is actually up here in Canada. He's actually... Uh, uh, we, we're actually going to have him on the show uh, for, fairly shortly. Um, will you, he's uh, be a friend of mine. Oh, is that so? Yeah, and he's actually, his interview is featured in the book as well. I interviewed him. I interviewed three current and former members of the Westboro Baptist Church, one current and two former, including Nate Phelps. Wow. Uh, and all of those are all of those are reproduced in the book. And then I also sent uh, Nate Phelps a signed copy just the other week, and he was very appreciative, and he's just a really nice guy all around. Yeah, that's what everybody says about Nate Phelps. He's just a fantastic guy. Now, you, were talking, about, you were talking about some anecdotes, uh, some uh, personal anecdotes uh, that you had that you took for your books. Would you be <clears throat> kind of give us maybe an example of those? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I talk about 
I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I used to tell ghost stories sometimes with my friends. And as I grew up over over the years, I kind of realized that the story I told probably never happened. And I think a lot of people kind of stick with those stories. Like, no, when I was five, I saw a ghost and I just realized that that ghost story I used to tell, I used to say that I got up late at night and I walked into the hallway and there was this really short, like a little person with a, a fishing vest on and a fishing pole. And I, I just didn't know what this man was doing in our house. And I ran to my grandma and I asked her about it. And she said that there was a uh, a fisherman that she knew who was of that stature that died years years ago and that he must have been in the house. And, and I kind of grew up telling that story. Anytime someone would be telling ghost stories, I'd just chime in with mine. And in hindsight, I, I think I either made up the story just to fit in with all those friends who were who were telling their ghost stories, or it was the result of a dream or something that that wasn't really there. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of an anecdote. It doesn't prove that ghosts aren't real or anything. It just shows that the human mind is uh, fallible, and that even if we believe we saw something, if we look at it closely enough, we might be able to see that uh, it was a construction of our own mind or an exaggeration, or we we had a dream and and supplanted reality instead. Mm. Yes, I so understand that. I mean, uh, 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 even myself as a child, you know, when every kid around you, every friend around you seems to have a ghost story, you almost want to make up one just to be part of the group. (laughs) Yeah, and so I'm pretty sure that's what happened there. Um, But I also have other stories from my life in there. I I talk about how uh, my experience with chiropractic and acupuncture because I have uh, severe chronic back pain, and so I've I've tried alternative medicines for those. I also have stories about... um, when I was in college, or actually right after I got out of college, I thought I saw a ghost for real because I was laying in bed and my door opened and this woman floated toward me. She looked just like a ghost would look, like in the grudge or the ring. She had long, wet, black hair and uh, a face that was falling apart. And <clears throat> and I was paralyzed what, by what I thought was fear. I thought I was so afraid that I couldn't move. So wow. when I finally shook myself out of this and she disappeared... I ran to the computer and I typed in paralyzed, fear, ghost, whatever the keywords were, and I learned about sleep paralysis and how our mind, when we are in between sleep and wake, can cause this state where we are paralyzed and, and have what would be dreams but end up being hallucinations because our eyes are open. Uh, and so I learned that what, what I experienced was entirely explained by science, and I, I was very I'm very happy about that, but that's another type of uh, anecdote that I share. That's fascinating because I think the average person uh, having this kind of experience, and most people don't, uh, we never doubt the experience. We just uh, doubt the conclusion of the experience. But you yeah. right away doubted your own conclusion and you jumped I on did. the computer. And that's fascinating I, because you don't usually see that on the average person. I had, I had been writing about uh, religion for about five years by that time. And and I already considered myself a skeptic. I didn't think I believed in anything like that. And and it's weird because typically believers get these visual hallucinations and, and more often, like if you really believe in aliens, you're more likely to see an alien than a ghost in these circumstances. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in alien visitation or ghosts, but for one reason or another, maybe I saw a horror movie the night before. Um I hallucinated this ghost and I just knew there couldn't be a way that that this was real. You know, I just had to figure out what it was. And it was really the top result with sleep paralysis. And I was just like, I really hope more people know about this because I kind of should have known by that time. And I didn't. And so I talk about that in the book and show a lot of scientific studies on that uh, whole process and how it leads people to believe not just in ghosts, but in God and in aliens and whatever they happen to already believe in. It kind of confirms that when they hallucinate it. That's fascinating already. My God. So, so your book is already out. Yep. And uh, so far, how, how is it being received? Uh, well, <laughs> it's been received great by those who understand the issues. I've gotten a lot of positive praise from uh, writers in the field who already deal with these issues, but there are a lot of troll comments on my reviews giving me zero and one stars because of they flipped through it in the bookstore and didn't like a line they, they saw. (laughs) 
So, I mean, it, it's mixed. I have about four and a half stars still, even with all those trolls, though, so it's pretty good. Oh, excellent, excellent. So you, you said you write a lot about atheism, so maybe maybe I should ask you, as a, as a Canadian looking down south in the States, in your opinion, what is the status of atheism in your country? I think more people are atheists than know that they're atheists or want to admit that they're atheists. I think the word atheist itself carries a lot of negative stigma, which is why people call themselves free thinkers or they want to call themselves non-believers or they name all these other things. And and that's fine. But really, if you want to help destigmatize the word atheist, you have to use it and admit that you are one. And anyone who doesn't actively believe in a deity is an atheist. Mm -hmm. So... We've seen these numbers in polls rising over the past few years. Over the past five or six years, we've seen steady increases in people who identify as atheists and, more importantly, people who identify with no particular religion, the, the rise of the nuns. And so I, I guess I don't really care if people are calling themselves atheists. I care most that people are leading evidence-based lives and not hurting other people based on supernatural myths. Mm, yes, in, indeed, and, and I totally agree with you. I think we have to kind of do what the uh, LGBTQ community did, essentially. Take the mm-hmm. word and own it. Yeah. Uh, so so in, in the light of the current political reality you guys are here in the United States, how do you feel about the future of atheism in the, in the, in the U.S.? I think that atheism is going to continue its rise, and I think non-religiosity is going to continue its rise. I think having somebody like uh, having an administration like this current administration that we have here in the U.S. is actually going to help embolden a lot of people who would consider themselves non-believers. I think it's going to help push a lot of people out of the closet and, and make a lot of people who didn't think they cared about separation of church and state. They're going to start to see, well, now uh, this administration's allowing churches to start uh, endorsing people from the pulp uh, from their pulpit. They're allowed to do things that they shouldn't be allowed to do unless they paid taxes. And so people are going to start to push back against that. And I think that in a lot of ways, Trump is the pushback from Obama. I think people who are very conservative and, and yes, some of them racist, uh, saw the Obama presidency as a reason to mobilize, and that brought us Trump. And I think the the election of Trump is going to bring forth a lot of secularists, a lot of atheists, a lot of people who care about evidence-based government. And, and that's why I founded the Party of Reason and Progress, to try and kind of promote those types of ideals. The Party of Reason and Progress? Oh, yeah. That's... Uh, it's a 527 political organization I founded the day after Trump elected oh, uh, was elected. Please elaborate and on that, sir. Yeah, we basically push for evidence-based policies. We have a platform that is built on scientific consensus. We have uh, scientists and doctors and researchers on our on our steering committee, as well as businessmen and businesswomen and all kinds of people who uh, kind of put our ideas through scientific searches and find out what the best policies would be from a scientific point of view and from a humanistic point of view, as opposed to what's politically uh, popular or what religions would say and stuff like that. So we've uh, had a lot of a lot of success so far. It's been about a year and we've already had I think we have um, 50,000 total members and we have we're verified on Facebook and Twitter, and we've been making media a lot, so it's pretty good. I'm certainly going to have to look that up, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's it's Party of Reason Progress, and it's PORP, P-O-R-P, and our uh, our symbol is a porpoise. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> but I'm going to play devil's advocate here for half a second, David, if you'll allow mm-hmm. me. I mean, you, 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 you say, you're saying maybe Trump is the, the, the pushback against Obama, but come on. I mean, he, he, the man's doing incredible damage. I mean, you, you just take the education with uh, mm-hmm. Betsy DeVos and all that. How could you stay so positive in light of all the incredible damage has been and the, the, the wave of anti-intellectualism there is going on in the States? It's actually, uh, as a Canadian, we're kind of getting concerned because it's starting to seep across the border here. It's like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, I, I was just about to say, I've known some Canadians who have uh, identified with the alt-right, who have identified with Trump's politics, who have done all this. And and the reason I'm able to stay optimistic is because I know that we are one year into this, and I know that that wave of, uh, of everything that's going on, of violence, of the destruction of our education system, 
all of this will mobilize other people. I mean, it created the Party of Reason and Progress, and there's a lot of people not just with us, but a lot of people who fought similarly, like we weren't active in politics before, but now we realize that there's no other option but to become involved and to fight against these types of policies. And while they're in power right now with the amount of the damage that's being done, I can't imagine that that's going to last very long. Mm-hmm. Now, you've uh, let's go back to, to your books there before we <laughs> degenerate the whole politics. <laughs> uh, one, one of your books you're very well known for is was for the uh, mom, dad, I'm an atheist. Um, yep. Was that your biggest success at, to, to, uh, at this point so far? I think Disproving Christianity, which is my first book, has been uh, kind of my most popular of all of them, just because it's concise and and it's deconstruction of biblical literalism. So if you know anyone who's a religious fundamentalist who believes every word of the Bible is true, give them that book. And and unless they are suffering from some really, really uh, severe confirmation bias, they're going to be able to at least point out a few ways where they agree that the Bible is in error. Um, mom, dad, I'm an atheist didn't take off as well as it should have because people thought that it was just about talking to their parents. They're like, well, I was raised by my grandparents, so I don't need this. Or, well, I only deal, my whole family is fine with my atheism. So, uh, so I don't need this, but the book itself was actually about coming out as an atheist and living as an atheist in every aspect of your life, like, uh, whether it's in your education, whether it's in your career, whether it's in your personal life. And for me, uh, my parents didn't have a problem with my atheism at all, and neither did my gra- uh, my fundamentalist grandparents had a little more of a problem, but they didn't they didn't hate me over it or anything. Uh, I ran into problems in grad school when I applied for the graduate program of religious studies and was rejected for being quote an atheist activist with an axe to grind. And so mm. I, I wrote the book to kind of uh, share that experience. I put my uh, I told told that story in the book, and then have the apology letter from the school and everything reproduced in there too. Uh, basically to tell people how to be open about your atheism wherever you are and not to start fighting how to not to start fights about it and just be yourself yeah i mean uh, uh, i guess here as canadians um we could be much more open about atheism because it's yeah. it's nowhere near as uh, as uh, frowned upon as it is in the states and of course you in california i'm assuming here may correct me if i'm wrong that uh, california is probably much more liberal about all this that's very true. Um, I did, however, grow up in Sacramento, California, the capital, and it's definitely more of a conservative section of the state. And so while California in general is uh, pretty liberal there and and pretty non-religious, there are there are pockets. And Sacramento is one of the, those pockets of conservatism, conservatism and Christianity. And so my my grandparents did believe that every word in the Bible is true and that uh I would just make up something. I'd be like, so you believe this happened? I'd just make it up off the top of my head. And my grandma would say, well, if it's in the Bible, it's true. And I'm like, I just made that up. And you agreed with it because you thought it was in the Bible. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. And I'm also shocked at the idea that Sacramento, right next door to San Francisco, has actually a conservative pocket. I'm surprised by that. I'm really surprised. Yeah, it's it's very conservative. Northern California, with the exception of the coast, with the exception of uh, San Francisco Bay Area, all those places, once you get back into the woods and away from the ocean, people tend to get more conservative. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And actually, that's true where I am now, too. I'm... uh, to, I'm to the east of LA, and in Los Angeles, it's a relatively liberal community, and they have the ocean there. And then as you go back, I'm up a mountain, and it's a small town in the mountain, and I'm pretty sure most people here are Republicans. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, so, so of course you're doing. Uh, if I could be so bold to maybe say you're absolutely doing your part for 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 the movement, if there is such a thing, uh, but. Mm-hmm. Writing books is not enough. What do what do you think as what do you think David David G McAfee thinks that needs to be done, uh, whether on the political spectrum, whether on the uh, the, the in in the, in the population uh, as a popular mm-hmm. movement? What needs to happen to make this more acceptable? There there needs to be an entire paradigm shift. Basically, people need to start seeing things from a more evidence-based point of view. And that's kind of why I founded the Party of Reason Progress was to put that in politics. Uh, In the religious aspects of the world, you have the atheists, you have the skeptics, and they have a prominent presence and they make themselves known. In the political realm, there is no evidence-based way of life, really. And so I created that to to force that on people. Um, In addition to books, I do speeches and 
and write a lot of articles as well. But really, we need more people to be stepping forward to speak up for skepticism, for to speak up for evidence-based living, and ultimately, uh, hopefully, take advantage of some of the things that churches and religions have have used to propagate themselves, like meetings with fun songs and free coffee and, and good people and stuff, and use use meetings like that to spread scientific awareness and stuff like that. So try and think of kind of the next steps on that scale to get us there. And uh, it seems right now that we got to look at what's been successful for other aspects, other areas of thought, and then apply that to atheism and skepticism and the supernatural. Mm. Lately in the uh, atheist movement, if you can call it that, um, there's been some what people would call infighting. Now we haven't seen this or heard much of it up here in Canada, but we've heard uh, some some things going on in the States to the point that some people are starting to think that the movement might be crumbling. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts on this? You know, I've never even identified with the atheist movement in the first place. I've always been the type to just say that this is kind of a small part of a bigger movement. Uh, I, I would say that atheism is less important than, say, skepticism, because okay. skepticism leads to atheism, and atheism is just itself. It's just non-belief. Atheism isn't important in areas where, isn't as important in areas where people aren't heavily religious, like in Canada, like in parts of Europe. It's just seen as, well, that's, that's how you believe, and that's how I believe. Mm -hmm. And that's really how it should be. But because there's so much going on in the United States. We have all these people who rise up and it becomes a community. And as far as the infighting is concerned, I've really managed to stay out of it. I mean, I know there are people who hate me, who have, uh, who have called me out for things that they perceive as being against the principles of the movement, whatever that means. But I'm really just doing my best on my own to promote evidence-based thinking. And then I work with a lot of other people in the, in that area, in that movement that I would say do really well. And I'd say like uh, Hemant Mehta from The Friendly Atheist mm. and Seth Andrews from Thinking Atheist. Uh, they're both good friends of mine and we work together regularly. And, and I don't see any infighting in between the people who I work with. So that's nice. Yes, yes. But do you feel maybe that... Just, just a hypothesis here. Maybe, maybe that's what's maybe lacking as far as the atheist culture is, con uh, is concerned. Maybe it's that uh, what the, the churches do very well. There's that sense of community. Mm -hmm. Maybe we don't have quite the notch on that sense of community, and maybe that's what's keeping that that tipping point from happening. You pretty much just quoted a line from Mom, Dad, I'm an atheist. There's a chapter. <laughs> there's a chapter called "Establishing a New Sense of Community," and it's about how religions have been so successful at taking over culture that a lot of times when someone leaves their religion, they don't have anything else. They don't have any friends. They don't have a place to go. They don't have a school because all of those things were were uh, obsessed with religion. And obviously, that's not true everywhere, but in small communities, especially, that's very common. And so when you come out as an atheist, you have to basically find this whole new community, and mostly it's online. And for people who crave that in-person, those meetings, those weekly get-togethers and, and, and songs and stuff, there isn't much for them. There are uh, like the Houston Oasis and uh, Kansas City Oasis, one group here that we have that does, I think, weekly meetings that are very similar and they have speakers and they teach science and stuff. So things like that are really great, but there's just not that many of them. Mm, yes. I, I, I also worry that a lot of times uh, I call them apatheists, you know, they're mm -hmm. atheists, but you know, they, 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 they sit back on their laurels and say, well, we have the truth on our side. Well, that's great. But the truth doesn't necessarily win a political battle. Right. We just saw that. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So I I feel that you know it really is up to atheists to be uh, and and skept, uh, skepticals and, and people mm -hmm. that to, to get more but, involved. I absolutely agree with you. But we can't get more involved and use that as an excuse to be loose with the truth, like the other absolutely. side is. Absolutely. We have to maintain our high standards, but also appeal to a large group of people, which obviously is the most difficult part, and that's why nobody's done it yet, and that's why it's becoming so difficult. Which I guess is probably one of the reasons why uh, it's hard to get the politics on our side, because after all, what works in politics is when people go down in the muck, uh, staying above and staying nice and clean and taking the high road doesn't usually work in politics. You almost have no, to get it, down in the muck with them. 
it was so surprising that it worked for Barack Obama. He really, in his campaigns, he kind of raised, rose above that fray and didn't in, indulge anyone in these little barbs that Donald Trump is still throwing as president. And and uh, Barack Obama still doesn't respond in kind, even though he's not president. So uh, it works for somebody, some, some people, but it's just so exceedingly rare that that, that that works that you have to have a good mechanism for it. Yeah, exactly. I could also quote probably uh, Bernie Sanders. I mean, he came very close. He took the high road. He That's came very true. close as well. But then, of course, in light of the new revelations, that's all. <laughs> We're not going to get into this right now. So uh, so what's next for David G. McAfee? What, what are you doing up next? Sir? What's your project? Uh, I, I think the next project I'm going to focus all my attention on is not just the Party of Recent Progress, but a book that goes along with it called Proof is in the Politics, basically uh, explaining how to create a political system based not on fear or emotion or even popular vote, but based on the scientific consensus and what data shows has worked in the past. And I think that that's kind of the way that the United States needs to go. And so that's where I'm going to put some uh, a lot of my attention going forward. Fantastic. Well, Dave, the, the mic is all yours, my friend. Be shameless. Go ahead and plug yourself. Whatever, uh, if people want to reach you, they want to find you, they want to buy your books, where are they going? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Facebook at David G. McAfee on Twitter at the same. Uh, no Sacred Cows is a, a lot of, in a lot of bookstores, especially in Canada, so you can check it out there in your bookstores or on Amazon. Um, either way, as long as you're living an evidence-based life, I'm happy. Excellent. And before I let you go, i got to have you say, Hi, this is David G. McAfee, and I took a left at the valley. Hi, this is David G. McAfee, and I took a left at the valley. And that was David G. McAfee. What a great guy. I like him. And he's so young, 20 years old. Can you believe it? 20? 20? 28. 28. 28. Oh, he's still 28. young. He's still well, young. He's, he's a got, baby. He's got several books on, on his belt already, including the, the, the one that's coming out there, uh, Sacred Cows. And it's, Sacred it's pretty, Cows. Yeah, and it's pretty impressive what he's doing, especially I'm really impressed with the idea of uh, uh, the uh, political party and uh, being uh, pushing science there. I think that's, that's pretty cool. So that was a great, great interview. Thank you so much, David. And he's always welcome back. Yes, no, maybe? Yes. No, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. Good Lord. Tales <laughs> <laughs> about lives. <laughs> All right. Time for my rant. Here we go. Yeah. Now I, style. I call this a letter to a bigot. Now, a Jane Doe... Uh, send me a letter this week. It's entitled, Does Kevin Francis Want You to See This? Today we talked about the appalling reaction of a school trustee towards the LGBT community. What you might not know is I, I spent much time in the past week on the comment section of the article posted by CKNW 980 AM defending the LGBT community from a plethora of troglodytes and all-around bigots that were supporting the words of Barry Neufeld. As we can expect from the Legion of Jesus Defenders and Plain Haters, the comments varied from it's unnatural, it's a disease, to the conspiracy worthy of Alec Jones and his moronic babbling, like the pink mafia and the Illuminati control of world domination. I'm surprised I didn't see someone blame the reptilians for the existence of the LGBT. <laughs> if you ever listen to this show, there's no doubt we are pretty strong feminists. Uh, we are, and we certainly have defended the rights of the LGBT at several occasions too. So all week I debated and refuted the stupidity in the comments section and held my own. It was a truly a David versus Goliath moment, <laughs> if I could use an old cliche. The responses dropped during the week as I simply asked that they substantiate their claim and would provide links to mine. Many gave up, usually by calling me names and telling me to seek medical help. On the internet, that's the equivalent of a white flag of surrender. So imagine my surprise when this email pops up on my feed. Someone had gone to the length of finding the LATV podcast, look up our email, and then send this propaganda email to bolster the ranks. Does Kevin Francis want you to see this? <laughs> I'm not sure I should feel flattered or angry at this. The fact that Jane didn't identify herself means she's likely the composer of this horrible tissue of lies. I mean, the, the subtitle is the LGBT community desperately concealing an inconvenient truth about the LGBT community. It goes on to spew what many supporting links that gay men are full of diseases, infections, and parasites, and that the public health is under assault by a pro-homosexual movement. 
Truly, this email is of the same cloth as the propaganda we saw in the 80s during the AIDS pandemic and even the satanic panic of the 90s. And while you readjust your tinfoil hat, there were some great gems like 90% of gay men engage in anal sex. Well, that's kind of curious because a study from the University of Indiana and the George Masson University who polled 24,000 gay men and found out that that number is actually 33 to 35%. Oral sex is by far the preferred method. Here's another gem. Anal cancer is an epidemic in the LGBT community. Well, that's strange. Cancer research shows that the HP virus is what increases the risk of anal cancer. HPV is found in all segments of the population and still less common than prostate or lung cancer. Seems to me if these Christians were really about saving souls and lives, they would protest smoking. And what about the ladies? Why does this email just talk about gay men? Is it because it's very difficult to come up with scary-sounding stats when it comes to lesbian couples? Facts like they have the lowest rate of STDs across the board? As you can see, this isn't about saving people. It's about bigotry, plain and simple. Jane, your arguments are fallacious, your conclusions are wrong, and your hatred is repugnant. The LGBT community doesn't have an agenda. They are simply asking for the same rights you and I have. By the way, I was accused several times of being gay in those posts. I'm not, but I'm an ally. Because they're humans too, they deserve our love as well. Science tells us that in the vastness of our universe, all we have, all we seem to have, at the moment is each other. No savior is listening, and your bullshit, Jane, serves nothing but to divide us. You're a dying breed, Jane. You're the modern equivalent to these idiots that held up signs in the 50s saying, no niggers allowed here. And very soon, you too will be ashamed to admit that you were such a short-sighted, poor excuse of a woman of the 21st century, so dense that light bends around you. The worst part is you already know you're on the losing side of history. You were very careful in posting from, quote, non-faith organizations. We all know that had you pushed faith-based argument, you wouldn't be taken seriously. But you failed to realize that hatred of the LGBT community is entirely faith-based. You just discredited yourself. You're a dinosaur, Jane. Your kind is thankfully dying off. So for myself and all the great people from the LGBT I've met over the years, fuck off. Yeah. Right on. Thank you, Kevin. No problem. Well done. I, well I, done, I, sir. I'll let you guys say if you guys are joining me on this. I didn't want to say from me and the, the rest of the LATV. Oh, no, we join you in this. <laughs> this oh, cool. we join you. <laughs> I hope she's a dying breed. I'm not so sure they about are, that. They one. are a dying they breed. Are a dying They're breed. on their they way. Absolutely with. are a dying breed. There's no doubt about that. These people are uh, are on the yeah. Like I said, they're the modern equivalent of what we used to see in the fifties. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Great show as usual. And you can always find us at uh, leftatvalley.com. You can find us on Facebook at LETV Podcast on Twitter. You can send us an email at leftatvalley at outlook.com. You can do like Jane and find us and send us uh, some love. That'd be great too. Coming up next week, we have Andrew Torres. We'll be talking about the Johnson Amendment. That should be very interesting. On the 18th, we'll have Luke Ferrin that I spoke earlier. Uh, we'll be talking about the. Uh, Religion again, trying to get their claws into the school system in Alberta and in BC. We have Nate Phelps, the son of Fred Phelps from the Westboro Baptist Church, is going to come on the show and Are talk about his kidding? experience. That should be fun. Wow! I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. We also have Thomas Smith from the uh, Serious Inquiries Only that'll be coming on the show, and of course, after that, we'll also have our Christmas special and our best of the year. And coming up next year, we'll have our friend David Fitzgerald, as well as Michael Shermer. We're working hard on this, guys. You're amazing, Kevin. Oh, please. You really are. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Anything else you need to add before we, we sign off? Read Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> and uh, this episode is really not safe for work or for kids. I might have to put an R rating on the, this. The language, the language was a little harsh. A little harsher than usual, absolutely. I apologize if I offended you ears, but you know, sometimes nothing works like a good exclamation and a good swear. Actually, you know what? I have to agree with you on that, though. I, I had to write the Keska fuck to you because <laughs> I read it and I went, "Are you kidding?" 
What was that? <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Until next time. Something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. I'm an atheist. I'm an atheist. Now let me take a sec. Don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful that thousands of children are raped by priests and since they're holy men of God, they get away scot free. To keep it on the hush Don't wanna affect business He loves money too much We know that they love the kids But how the fuck can we protect them While they planning to molest them We teaching them to respect them Fuck them Fuck that The system is broke down Working backwards And the only action A tactic I plan to practice Now is to attack them The parties of God's hands Are bloodstained Millions of murders By believers And they're all in God's name And let me take a don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful that many atheists are told to be quiet. You're not alone. Speak your mind. Time to let it be known. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance, and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be 